0: Well, friends, when I was going into Year 10, uh, my family moved town, so I had to go to a new school. And I can remember my first day sitting in the office waiting for someone to come and show me around the place. And as I was waiting, I got to look at some of the school memorabilia. Uh, Because hanging up in the office were these big photos of past students. There was this girl who had gone on to play hockey for Australia. There was this boy who had gone on to represent Australia... At something and uh, it really impressed me as I was sitting there that people from this school had gone on and excelled but imagine if you're in the office of your new school and the list of past students read like a who's who of history so you know Joan of Arc went to this school so did Marie Curie and Don Bradman Martin Luther King and Albert Einstein, Queen Elizabeth II, Jane Austen, Mother Teresa, they all went to this school. It would be a pretty impressive school. And you get to go to it. You get to walk in the footsteps of giants. This is who's gone before you. It would give you a sense of occasion, wouldn't it? This sense of privilege, a sense of being part of something that goes places. It's that kind of thing that's going on in Hebrews chapter 11. You would have noticed it as it was being read, it's a bit of a who's who of the Old Testament, heroes of Israel. And the writer parades them all before us so that we'd have a sense of where we stand, that we walk in the footsteps of giants, so that we'd have a sense of being part of something that's going places, so that we wouldn't give up on our faith in God, so that we won't grow weary and lose heart, but we will remain with our faith in God. Come with me to the end of our verses that we're looking at this morning. Chapter 12 and verse 1. Chapter 12 and verse 1. After rattling off a bunch of heroes of faith in God from the Old Testament, what difference is it all to make for you and me? Chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. To the heroes of old, they kept their faith in God, so let us do the same. God's got eternal life in store for his people, so let's not give up on Christ. Let's persevere in the faith, just like the heroes of the Old Testament. Now, hopefully you'll be aware that sticking with Jesus is a a running theme through the book of Hebrews. When we looked at chapters 1 to 10 earlier in the year, we saw that the writer just keeps banging the same drum. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is essential. So stick with Jesus. And that's because for the original readers, they were in danger of walking away from him. They were Jews who had become Christians. But for following Jesus, they'd been publicly humiliated, they'd had their belongings stolen, they'd been thrown in prison. And if they would just give up on Jesus and go back to Judaism with the priests and the sacrifices, then all that trouble would go away. So it was really tempting for them to walk away from Jesus. And that's really serious because you walk away from Jesus, you walk away from God. And so as we pick it up now in chapter 11, it's no surprise the writer is still saying the same things. Make sure you keep your faith in Jesus. It's just that our angle this time is we're going to be looking at the examples of those who have gone before us. To take encouragement from them so that we'll persevere in our faith in God. So let's have a look. And a key thing about persevering faith is that it is future looking. We keep our faith in God because of what is promised about what is still yet to come. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. See that? The ancients were commended for trusting in God for the future. They knew that God had great things in store. They were sure of it, certain of it, and so they persevered in their faith in God. Even though it meant having to endure terrible odds and terrible opposition, they just kept trusting in God. That's their example to us. And what the writer does now is he he walks us through a gallery Of Old Testament heroes. He looks at the examples of the faith of the ancients because they didn't just put their faith in God, they kept their faith in God because they trusted that what God said about the future would come true. Now we don't have time to look at them all so we're going to start with the big daddy of faith and that is Abraham and as I read you'll see that for Abraham it wasn't easy for him to keep his faith in God. He had a lot of uncertainty, he didn't know where he was going When he eventually did get there, he was always a stranger, an outsider. He had no place to call home, but he kept his faith in God because he was certain of the future, because God had promised it. Verse 8, skip down to verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. See, Abraham kept his faith in God because he was looking forward to the future that God has in store. Okay, that's very briefly looking at Abraham. We skipped over Abel, Enoch, Noah and Sarah, but they're all the same. They kept living with their faith in God right up until they died. They persevered in their faith because they were looking forward to what God has in store. Verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, for these people, it would have been a whole lot easier to just forget God. They had to give up on having their own home. They had to give up on having their own country. They could have easily gone back to where they'd gone before, but they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Their faith in God was future-looking, and so their faith in God was enduring, persevering faith, like what we're meant to have as we wait for the new creation. Okay, skip down to Moses. He, he was a man who gave up a lot. He faced terrible hardship, but he kept his faith in God because, again, he was looking forward to what God had in store. Down to verse 24. 24. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses had all the opportunities to live the high life. I mean, he was a son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He had all of Egypt at his disposal and it would have been very easy for him to plunge into life with the Egyptians and their gods. Not that dissimilar really to living in Australia with all our wealth and pleasures at our fingertips. But instead, Moses chose to be disgraced and mistreated. He chose to align himself with God's people and to suffer along with them because he was looking ahead to his reward. And so he persevered in his faith, looking to the future of what God had in store, even though it meant trouble and hardship. And that makes Moses a pretty good example for us to follow, doesn't it? You know, with our culture, taking leaps and bounds away from anything to do with Christ, if we're going to persevere in our faith in God in the coming days, months and years, it's probably going to come with increasing opposition, isn't it? We need to steel ourselves and our children that we'll be ready for this, that we will persevere in the faith. But it wasn't just Moses that gives us this example of persevering faith. The writer now rattles off a heap of heroes from the Old Testament who also suffered at the hands of their enemies because of their faith in God. So in verse 32, he rattles off people like Barak and Samson and David and Samuel, people who had to endure torture and death, but they kept their faith in God because they were looking forward to a better resurrection. We'll pick it up in verse 35. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. All these heroes going through unspeakable atrocities commended for persevering in their faith in God even though they didn't receive what was promised and despite the terrible things they had to go through they kept their faith in God because they knew that God had a better future in store a better resurrection in verse 35 and they're all terrific examples for us as we seek to live out our lives with our faith in God because we know of the better future that God has in store don't we? We know of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Eternal life, it is so certain, it's already started. We know that sin and death and trouble and heartache will one day vanish, and so we're to follow in the footsteps of these ancients, and we're to persevere in our faith in God. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us... Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, we're to follow in the footsteps of these heroes of the faith and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, the race of keeping our faith in God. Have you ever tried to walk with your shoes tied together? When I was a kid, you know, we'd go to a shoe store and they'd have the pairs of shoes tied together with those elastic ties, you remember them? And so, you know, I'd put one shoe on, but to make sure the other shoe fit, mum and dad want me to put both shoes on, and then they'd say, you know, go for a walk, see how they feel. Waddling down the aisle. Forget walking, imagine trying to run a race with your shoes tied together. You'd just get all tangled up, wouldn't you? We had to be running the race... Of keeping our faith in God. So we don't want anything that'll tangle us up. And so in verse 1, we're to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's a picture of an athlete trimming everything down to make themselves as streamlined as possible, to make running as easy as possible. Because we've got to run the race marked out for us with perseverance. Keeping our faith in God is like a marathon. Not a sprint. This is going to take effort, sustained effort. We're to run with perseverance just like the ancients of old. So let me ask you have you got anything in your life that's hindering you from keeping your faith in God? Are you committed to activities that mean you're irregular in meeting with us as the people of God? Are there things that you've committed to or you've committed your kids to that steal you away from meeting with us? Because we would love to encourage you and we would love you to encourage us so that together we can keep our faith in God. Do you have unnecessary financial burdens that mean you have to spend truckloads of time and energy into earning money, leaving precious little for the things of God? Are you entangled in a sin that just keeps tripping you over? A sin that makes keeping your faith in God very difficult? Sexual immorality. Greed. Rage. Gossip. Do you have anything that you need to throw off for the sake of running the race of keeping your faith in God. It'll come at a cost, I know. We're talking about giving things up. We're talking about throwing things aside. We're talking about getting rid of something in your life. But, friends, we want to keep our faith in God. We know the future that he's got in store for us. And so we throw off everything that hinders. We toss out the sin that so easily entangles so that we can run the race with perseverance that has been marked out for us, just like the ancients did. Now, from verse 2, the writer's got one more example for us. And this fellow, he was a colossus of faith in God. And I talk, of course, of Jesus Christ himself. But the Lord Jesus is more than just another example of someone who kept their faith in God. He's more than that. Christ, in fact, he is the reason that faith in God even works. Look at chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, not only is Jesus the ultimate example of someone keeping their faith in God, you know, he even went to the cross, but he is also the author and perfecter of our faith. In other words, Jesus is the reason that faith in God works. He's the reason that faith in God gives a certain hope for the future. Without Jesus, faith in God achieves nothing. Because we're not forgiven by Abraham's faith. And we don't receive eternal life by Moses' faith. No, it's only by Christ and his faithfulness that we're forgiven and receive eternal life. Because when Christ endured the cross, when he scorned its shame, he died in our place. Like we saw when we were thinking through chapters 7, 8, 9 and 10, earlier in the year, Christ sacrificed himself for us, for our sins. And so his persevering in his faith in God, even to the cross, that means that now when we put our faith in God, we receive forgiveness and eternal life. And why did Christ persevere in his faith in God, even to death on a cross? Because he was just like the ancients. Jesus knew the future that God had in store. His faith was future-looking, and so it was persevering. So in verse 2 we're told, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He knew the joy that after death he would be resurrected and restored to God's right hand in glory. He knew the joy that through his death he would bring countless men and women and boys and girls into the very family of God. He knew the joy of seeing his people delivered from their sins. He knew the joy of pouring out his spirit and so changing our hearts. He knew the joy that he would share eternity with all of his people in, in his glorious new creation and for the joy that was set before him He endured the cross, scorned at shame. He knew the future that God had in store and so he kept his faith in God and knowing his ultimate example and that he did it for us. We are now to think upon him so that we'll persevere in our faith. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, we're to look to Jesus. Consider him. Think about him. Fix your eyes on him so that we will not grow weary and lose heart, so that we'll persevere in our faith in God. And I know that's not always easy. Running this race, you know, keeping our faith in God. Sometimes I can feel more like we're plotting than running, can't it? And it's all we've got just to keep one foot in front of the other. Maybe you've felt like that in the past. Maybe you've come to church this morning and that's exactly how you feel right now. The original readers, they are in danger of giving up on Christ. It was all getting too hard for them. The persecutions, the humiliations. And that's why the, reminder, the writer is reminding us of these heroes of persevering faith. They've run the race. They kept their faith in God. And so let us join with, forget Albert Einstein, let's join with Abraham, Moses, David, Christ himself and run the race with perseverance that's been marked out for us. It's as if you're, you're running in the middle of a marathon. You're running into a giant stadium that is filled to capacity, but you're tired and you're exhausted and your head's down because it's just taking every ounce of energy to just keep going. And the writer to the Hebrews, is there on the sidelines and he's screaming to you to look up. Lift your head. Look around you. Because over there in the stands, can you see him? It's Abraham. Cheering you on. He finished the race. And beside him, look, there's Sarah, his wife. And over there, there's Moses. You remember what happened to him? But he stayed the course. And there's King David. We all know what happened to him. And there's Samuel. Samuel. Samson and Rahab and Noah and Jeremiah, Haggai, Jacob, Joseph, look at them all. And the stadium's filled with the cheers of all these people spurring you on. And as you take in these mighty heroes of the faith that persevered, a great hush falls over the stadium because the finishing line's just up ahead. You can see the end of your race. Everyone can see that your race will soon be over. And standing at the finishing line with his arms wide open is the Lord Jesus himself ready to give you a rich welcome into his eternal kingdom. And as you come closer, step by step, Christ himself is urging you on, calling you ever forward, because he lived the life of persevering in his faith in God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he did it for you. And it's as if the writer to the Hebrews, has jumped over the fence. He's out onto the track. He's stuck his arm around you. And he's saying to you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Keep running the race. Keep your faith in God. Because eternal life's just a few steps away. It's just there. Don't give up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the certainty of eternal life. We thank you that it's already started with your son, already resurrected from the dead. And Father, we thank you that you've brought us safe this far. And we pray that you would keep us with our faith in you until the very end father particularly for those of us here this morning who are struggling and who are getting weary and losing heart father please give them the strength and the clarity to fix their eyes on jesus that they would not grow weary and they would not lose heart but they would keep their faith in you And, Father, we pray that as a church family we would so love you and your Son that we would deeply love one another and we would urge each other on, we would be there for one another, doing whatever it takes, Father, to see us all, please, keeping our faith in you. Father, thank you for the certainty of what's in store. We look forward to it and we pray you would keep us all safe in Christ until that day comes. And we ask it in his name. Amen.